Hello guys, welcome back to Board Draw, episode number 33, double threes up Let's in the building. Go. We've got a hell of a weekend of football to discuss, and uh, I've got a very happy boy sat right here. It's mad, you could say the same thing every single week, you're just a very happy boy, that's how good we've been. Normally, um, you just, any football team that you support, there's good and there's bad, and we have had a couple of like average games this season, but... Surely, apart from us, no team has been happier for longer. And it's juicy. And I'm loving it. I mean, I don't know. If you're a Man City fan, you'd be pretty happy for like the last like three years or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've seen City fans were fucking at the cheek to boo Pep and the team. I know they were 2-0 down against Tottenham and that's, that's dead. But they had the cheek to boo Pep and the team when the team have brought them unparalleled success in the past five years yeah no it's pretty crazy but obviously we're talking right now about Arsenal versus Manchester United the only team to have beaten Arsenal this season um but what a hell of, what a game what a just, game just an unbelievable game we were actually at the pub watching it as we Ros, Ros stood up yeah to go get a couple beers and then suddenly the boy Marky Rashford decided put them on hold yeah, and that got so many um, like Casemiro fanboys absolutely turned on because he skinned party, nutmegged him in the midfield, sent him sent him for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then pulled out a thirty yard screamer. He, the thing with Rashford when he does, I think it's shooting from any distance. Really, he does like he doesn't knuckle. He kind of knuckle. He doesn't hit it. through the ball. He sort of like. Top spins it so yeah. hard, and yeah, he's like one of the only guys that I've seen that does this kind of technique. And maybe like David Luiz when he does free kicks does it as well. But yeah, I don't know. As a keeper, it's just a nightmare to kind it's of powerful. judge because it always through players. always bounces in front of you yeah. as well, and it just makes it so hard to um, kind of judge. Yeah, and a hundred percent. And I thought, I thought Arsenal started the game brilliantly. Um, I thought Martinelli was electric in the opening ten minutes or so. And it was sort of before the game, you're thinking, right, Man United on a really good run. Arsenal on a really good run. Man United did beat Arsenal uh, previously. How is I hate this going to that start? That's our only L this Will season. it start a bit cagey or what? But Arsenal came out the blocks and they were flying. Yeah. They could have been a couple goals up within a few minutes. And we've seen that with Arsenal always starting fast. Literally the opposite of Spurs. Yeah. 100%. Starting fast, starting hard, and really pushing aggression, which is something I think owes a lot to the mentality that. Arteta has instilled in this team. 100%. No yeah. one can match their intensity, their aggression, their press. Yeah. And no one can also match how good they are at playing out against the press. Because that Man United played a really aggressive press in this game. Mm. So I said press more. But they played such an aggressive press. And Arsenal's technicality in the middle between Partey, Xhaka, Odegaard, even the likes of Nketiah dropping in, Martinelli, Saka, they can play out of anything. Yeah. Zinchenko as well. Unbelievable. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to get on to like, have a whole section about Zinchenko, but well, fucking, you brought him up, so let's get on it. I was talking about when we played Spurs, how they have two in midfield and they're always going to get our run against our three, but then it's a four when Zinchenko tucks in. And that was Spurs with two. Obviously, Man United have three in the middle, so they can match up three for three with us. Probably not on a technical aspect. We're probably more technically gifted, especially when um, McTominay's playing instead of Casemiro. Mm -hmm. But um, when Zinchenko comes in and he is proven to be 
such a good signing. I know a lot of uh, Man City fans were sad to see him go because not only does he bring the kind of technical ability, but he brings this like winner's mentality that I'll get on to in a bit. But in terms of just his pure technical ability, he ran that game from midfield and he was playing at left back. And it's crazy that what he does is him and Xhaka just confuse the midfielders of the opposition. Zinchenko will tuck in to the middle. Xhaka will come out to left back. The other way around, Xhaka will push forward. Zinchenko will move to midfield. And then we don't have a left back. It's so hard to track the extra man when the extra man is as technically good and has like, got the football IQ of Zinchenko. It's crazy. Is he currently the best left back in the league? Yeah, because who are you talking about? You're talking about Cancelo, who at the moment isn't even starting for City. Mm-hmm. You're talking about Robertson, who is playing in 10th place Liverpool, who concede for fun at the moment. And they're the only two, really. That's the only two that I'd really put up Maybe in Big that. Dan Byrne. But yeah, genuinely, yeah. I'd say I'd say Zinchenko's the best left back in the league. Yeah, I think you'd have to agree based on this season. And even let the, us know in the comments. Yeah, and let us know definitely because... I've been it was always when he left City it was like oh right maybe he's taken a step down his career but mm. apparently when he first went into Arsenal he instantly went into that dressing room and was like we're going to win the league that's yeah. our aim that's the and, winner's mentality I'm talking and about and apparently like some of them were laughing and stuff yeah. and, but like look but at you would now. be we just finished fifth um, haven't won the league in fucking god knows how long like 15 years um, we bo- like bottled getting fourth so there's this kind of Arsenal were struggling. All the pundits are like, they're not even in the big six anymore. Everyone's and all the Aubameyang drama come out. All the drama. You've got a pundit saying that Leicester... Gary Neville, I'm coming for you. You're a fucking donkey. Um, yeah, anyway. But I think Ros is referring to the fact that Gary Neville, in his mid-season predictions, has, had, has got Man City to win the league and Man United to finish above Arsenal. I think the guy's just petty that he was under the tutelage of Sir Alex Ferguson, had him in his ear at Man United for his career. And then he took the leap to become a manager, uh, a kind of big Spanish team that has lots of history, but is kind of like a a, a, a sleeping giant kind of thing in um, Valencia. Went there, stunk it up so hard and now he's petty at any manager that wants to take on a similar task. But those managers that are succeeding at it, aka my boy Mikel Arteta, he's just got um, a fucking stiffy on for him because I've seen, he's angry. I saw a thing earlier where it's like um, all the uh, like children of Sir Alex Ferguson are pundits and all the tu- tutelage <laughs> of uh, Pep Guardiola. You've got Xavi, who's top of La Liga. Yeah. You've got Vincent Company. Vincent Company top of the championship, yeah. and you've got um, Mikel Arteta top of the Doing Premier League. Beautiful things. And yeah. also, but another interesting thing, though, maybe backing up Gary a bit, though, I think he actually has a higher win rate at Valencia than Steven Gerrard at Aston Villa and uh, Frank Lampard at Everton. Yeah, I think we need to do like a separate episode about Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard. Yeah. And just players turned managers in total, but Look at Wayne Steven Rooney. Gerrard and Frank Lampard in particular, two of England's. Probably most iconic players. Most iconic players, barring maybe like Wayne Rooney or I don't know, maybe like um, Harry Kane or something. But yeah, probably still um, Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard. How have they stunk up the managing situation so bad? And especially because he's not even one job. They both had a two, three jobs now. I mean, he did all right at Rangers, Steven Gerrard. Yeah, but as you've said multiple times, was that McBill? Nah, he's a shit. He's a shit manager. You McBill. love him, really. <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, he's. But, um, 
Where were we? Zinchenko. The winning mentality that I wanted to touch on earlier. Him and Gabriel Jesus. Um, what I think they've done is because they've won so much at Man City. What is it? Like four or five Prems in a row? trophies. Genuinely, it's a joke. Because they've won it so much, that is just all they know. I think Zinchenko, I saw a stat that his Premier League win rate is the second best ever behind Arjun Robin. I should have been like, um, guess who's top? I wouldn't have guessed that. Nah. Only, I would, I would have Tom. Gone... Tom would have been like Arjun Robin. Yeah, you I... know Tom Adam? Remember when Tom Adam in his... Was that Tom oh. or was that was it Gaffers? Oh, I thought it was Tom. Who was it was it? one of them with dodgy opinions. Yeah, it's so funny. But um, anyway. I don't know who I, I would have guessed for that. Yeah, I don't. Like, know. I maybe would have gone someone like Vincent Company or yeah, it's not a bad shout. Or Guerrero maybe. Yeah, but anyways, Zinchenko's on like um, I think eighty-two percent win rate, which is fucking disgusting. Um, so him and Gabriel Jesus because they've won so much and so consistently, that is literally all they know now. So they'll go into an environment where Arsenal do get wins, but not as many as they as Man City. And they've just put in this mentality where like, why the fuck aren't we winning? Like, even if we go behind Arsenal, as we've said before, they used to have this kind of um, stigma that they capitulate. But now we'll go behind and you just see the team. Of We've only been behind in total this season for 90 minutes, accumulatively, which is crazy. So you see this kind of, Shifting mentality now that back in the day, yeah, we fold. But now it's, fuck that. Even if we're 1-0 down, 2-0 down, whatever. We're going to try to put four past you. We'll, we'll, we'll come back. We'll find a way to come back. We've got not just the talent, which I think we always had, but it's now the mentality to back it up, which is, I think, a massive uh, kudos to the two players that they brought in with that mentality. And also Arteta for kind of fostering this mentality because I've seen a lot of snakes on the TL. Um, who's that noncy guy that got kicked off of um, mainstream punditry because he was sexist? Um, Richard Keys? Yes. Richard Keys. He's got a fat stiffy for um, Arteta. Anytime Arteta does anything, he's like, Arteta's a disgrace. He's running up and down the touchline. Blah, blah, blah. It's like... Celebration police as well. Yeah, firstly... If Arteta doesn't do that, the mentality will uh, lower because you want to feel like your manager is leading the charge. And he is doing that. Secondly, all the other managers do it as well. I saw Pep, Klopp, yeah, I saw Laura Wood saying that the other day, Pep kicked a bottle and it hit one of the geezers in the in the other dugout. So yeah. Pep's not um, above it. Everyone, David Moyes has done it. Everyone like, does it. Done it. So yeah. I don't know. He's just got a fast iffy on for... Arteta, so fuck you, Richard Keys. Uh, I'm going to stop um, backing the boys now right. because I've been very biased. Right. I'm breaking down this game a bit, yeah? Yeah, talk to me. So I just want to make the point that I think Man United are ahead of the curve in terms of where I thought they'd be under Ten Hag. Massively agree, I think yeah. you look at Arsenal, how many years into this project they are. Man United are far, far less of the way through their project yeah but um, will we've seen a lot of that with their squad was better yeah yeah they spent way more money yeah. And, but yeah I, um, I'm very impressed with them and I, I think they'll continue to impress people yeah I agree um, but there's three players that I wanted to highlight in this game particularly two from Arsenal and the one from Man United and I think it's obvious who we're going to be talking about I want to start with um, 
Eddie and Ketia. And then we'll get on to the Battle of the Star Boys. Yeah, Battle of the Star Boys. But yeah, Eddie and Ketia. Oh, I man. think, can we talk about this last episode? How, like, in just, the room. Uh, yeah, mate. And Vince is in trouble. in the room. That's a banger. And if you want to listen to another banger, JJ Bulls put out an absolute <laughs> banger. You'll get it on. No, it's just so listen to We've retweeted this. it just on listen the to this. Is there anybody better? Yeah, check out. Oh, it's on our. Yeah, yeah. So it's funny. Brilliant. Shout out JJ. Ball. I'll work down in the description as well because yes, it's, so it's brilliant. JJ Ball just absolute content machine. But yeah, Eddie and Ketia, he came in and everyone's like, oh, he's like B Tech, Gabriel Jesus. The kid's unbelievable. And so I hold good. my hands up here. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was going to be an average Premier League striker. Maybe not even average. I thought he'd be yeah. like hovering around the Southamptons of, of the league. But my man is absolutely crushing. You can see. Why he was, he's the under 23s or under 21s oh, top scorer of all time, yeah, for England. He's, he's technically like excellent, his game sense is unbelievable, top, top tier, yeah. And like the main worry was, oh, uh, he's not actually that great of a finisher or like whatever. And he's always th- said this, and in Ketia, he said, if you give me games, I will score goals, yeah. And he's getting a run now, not not because of like off his own back, but because of the injury that happened to Gabriel Jesus in the World Cup, but. Now we're, he, we're seeing the silver lining of that injury because everyone thought that would be the downfall of Arsenal, that they're going to come back after the World Cup break and yeah. that they would fall apart because they haven't got that high-pressing Jesus, that, that techie Brazilian up top. But Eddie Nketiah, round of applause, mate. Excellent. Question for Arsenal fans. If Gabriel Jesus gets back fit, who's starting? Because I don't know. I genuinely stay Eddie still. I saw that. I saw a little tweet where it's like... Um, it's got this on your defense is in trouble and get yours in the room. And then it's uh, Gary Edges who's listening to that. And he's <laughs> oh, yeah. Pumping, yeah. 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 I've seen he's that. Like yeah. Four or five weeks away from It's from. that clip of Roy Keane where he's got like one leg yeah. in the curl and yeah. he's like smashing it. Yeah. yeah but so funny. unbelievable. Yeah. And yeah. Like I said, no, I totally agree. I've backed him for a while because uh, I've, I've seen him in like under 21 games and you just could tell that the finishing ability is just so much better than everybody else his age. And then it's like, can you make that jump to senior football? Because a lot of people can't. But um, like we've said multiple times, he's never really been given the opportunity to have a prolonged run of games. And then in comes the Gabriel Jesus injury that gives him this prolonged run of games. And um, I think he's showing everyone now that, yes, his finishing ability is good. But I think the worry that it was that he couldn't link up the play like Gabriel Jesus. But... When, so the um, World Cup gave him a chance to kind of focus on that element of his game because his finishing doesn't need any more work. But he's definitely focused on that area of his game. He's got a bit bigger. You can see him bullying defenders that are considerably bigger. Him Like the likes of Varane or in the game before, Eric Dyer, um, Romero. He's having them on toast. And I think that's just, um, yeah, a testament to his work rate and just how much he wants to prove himself. I think as well, well, I was going to actually ask you this. Do you think when he's been put into the team before, whether it be because Lacazette wasn't performing, Aubameyang, he felt he had he had pressure to perform because he was going to only get a couple of games to show yeah. what he could do before he was going to get subbed out again for these bigger names. Mm. Now that Jesus was out of the scene for like a little bit of time, he didn't hit the ground running instantly mm. and he did look a bit wobbly, but the more he's played, the better he looks. Yeah, and so do you think that alleviation of pressure, the fact that there is sort of no one to jump in and that maybe the rumours that like Arsenal were going to sign a striker I know they're in from Mudrick and everything that didn't work out Mm. brought in Trossard but do you think that maybe the lack of pressure has actually helped him yeah I think when you're young like you've got to be a certain elite player to handle the pressure like Saka when he came into this Arsenal team 
we were like in the shittest run of form ever, like shittest league positions ever. And he kind of put the entire club on his back and he's got that kind of killer elite mentality to handle that pressure. But not every player does. You see players that get onto the scene. Don't want to talk about Jaden Sancho too much, but that, that kind of player where he gets all this pressure. He's signed for United. He's the star man. And he's kind of folded under that pressure. Like but a, Eddie... Uh, Ademola Lookman. Ademola well, Lookman. Absolutely, I think he's dropped nine plus He's cooking in, at Atlanta. Yeah, 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 yeah. in Serie A. Like. But um, yeah, maybe Eddie's not that kind of player that... Thrives under thrives the pressure. On. Maybe he needs an environment that's more pressures off. But maybe that's how he builds his confidence exactly. and allows so him to deal with it. It's good that games. you can tell Mikel's... And you can see this in the uh, All or Nothing. He's quite a good man manager. He's quite good at reading what players want and... The players that need a hand on their shoulder, he can give them that. The players that just want to be left out there to handle it all by themselves, he can do that. So I think, yeah, the environment that Arteta has built at the moment, just good vibes, man. Good vibes. Um, We're going to take a little break and we're back to talk about the two of the biggest names in the Premier League right now. Two men cooking yeah. it up. Also, Man United fans, how can you be calling Rashford a star boy? My guy's like 27 years old. 26, 27. How old is he? I'm going to quickly Google it while we're away. But yeah, we'll be back in a sec. What was your thing to say? I'd like to formally apologise for misaging and misrepresenting Marcus Rashford as a 26, 27-year-old. He's actually 25. He's actually our, He's actually younger than us by a few months, which is mad. But I wouldn't call myself a star boy. Maybe I'm the star boy of the podcasting scene. Who knows? <laughs> but, but yeah, um, he's, yeah. Not quite, he's not quite Jesse Lingard star boy. Nah. Um, but yeah, Battle of the Star Boys. Yeah, Marcus Rashford, Kaya Saka. Two of the hottest prospects in the Premier League. I say prospects, like I say, he's 25 years old. But two noise dangerous, most direct and most exciting players to watch at the minute. It is interesting because I think Marcus Rashford's probably getting a bit more of the limelight at the minute because he's had this sort of resurgence. He was left out under Ten Hag at the beginning. Yeah, Ronaldo's left now. He's sort of filling the gap and he's doing an amazing job. And you watch him play and there are very few players who are as dynamic and aggressive as he is with the ball. Yeah. And just the other one that is that dynamic and that aggressive is Bukayo Saka. Well, and I think if you look is, at it from an, good for England, it's an England perspective, 100%, and we is said that you've got Rashford at the left of Saka on the right. Mate, how we said that during the World Cup and like obviously before the World Cup, they both weren't in as good form as they are now. But we could tell our football IQ is just there, man. Mate, maybe, uh, maybe the next uh, Euros, you got Saka on the right, Rashi on the left, and Eddie. Eddie up front. Yes, man. Mate, that's black excellence. That is cooking. I love that. That is cooking. But um, yeah, I I think they're both so good. I've never kind of thought that Rashford isn't an elite player. He's always when he broke onto the scene against us and scored a hat trick. I was like, fuck me, this kid is gonna be ruining my life for 10, 15 years. But um. He has taken a dip, which is something that I'm going to put in the pro column for Bukayo. He hasn't really had a prolonged dip beyond maybe like two or three games, which is natural for anyone. Bukayo Saka has always been, a, since he broke onto the scene, uh, Yeah, I think in the documentary, the Arsenal documentary, there was a, like, a, like a little plot point where Saka wasn't on the best run of form, but you saw how they sort of dealt with it. Yeah. and But yeah, I mean, it's, it's always going to be easy for us to sit here and compare the two. Because they're both wingers, they both play in the Premier League, they're yeah. both English, and like they both have sort of similar direct attacking play styles. Yeah. 
we just got to sit back and enjoy him. You like, you know, you know, I'm not saying they're Ronaldo and Messi, but like, but they are, but they are excellent, excellent players. And yeah. I really think this Man United revival has really come down to them bringing Kashmir 01, but really also down to the excellency of Marcus Rashford and yeah. his, he I just think, is unplayable when like you, I, the two most scary players that have run at you in the Premier League, yeah, have got to be, if you're one-on-one, Bukayo Saka and Marcus Rashford. And Marcus 100%. Rashford. I just thought about it. When you said like the limelight is probably a bit more on Rashford than it is for Saka, I think that might also be down to the fact that um, in the Man United team, I can't really name anyone else that's scoring goals beyond Rashford, really. Whereas no, like yeah. for Arsenal, because Odegaard's getting goals, because Nketiah's getting goals, because Martinelli's getting goals, Saka's goals don't get highlighted as much because think they're getting Rashford is getting the limelight because he is sort of carrying Man United yeah, a bit more. Yeah, 100%. Whereas like Arsenal, they're sharing the fun around And maybe maybe it's also because we've come accustomed to seeing Saka's name pop up on the on the Vidi printer, you know, the throwback Vidi printer. Yeah. Teletext. Yeah, Saka all the time. But yeah, and now, now you, you're seeing Rashford, you're thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. But I think my long and short of it is how I feel on these two players is, for me... My baby boy Bukayo is better, but I'm happy to entertain the debate. I think there's elements that both of them have better and weaker in their games. I think um, Rashford is a better finisher in and around the box, outside the box. Rashford's kind of technique at scoring goals is cleaner than Bukayo Saka's, but I think Saka's general footballing IQ and ability to link play is better than Rashford's. Probably a better dribbler as well, yeah. in my opinion. You see Rashford in games where he doesn't score. He goes missing quite a lot. Whereas Saka has the ability to link up play, intricate one-touch passes, one passes. He's better at that. So for me, and the fact that he's younger, I think for me, if you're going to pick one of them in your team, you're taking Bukayo. But Rashford, quality player. I'd say second best winger in the league. Yeah, I, I think I'd have to agree with that. But maybe, would it be weird, would it be controversial to say that maybe Rashford's ceiling as a player is actually higher than Bakayo Saka's? Because I think we've seen him do like like the top elite level stuff where he will go and he will literally one versus eleven a game. Yeah. Whereas maybe Saka's more intricate in a team like setup. I don't know. Maybe this is a discussion to be had, but let us definitely yeah, know down below. You definitely take in your team if you could have one of them, Bukayo Ooh, or and Rashford. Rashford's quite versatile in terms of you could play anywhere across the front three. Don't talk to me about versatility if you're t- not talking about Bukayo Saka. My guy started at left, left back, back. He yeah, can play left true. wing back, it's right true. back, right wing back, uh, right winger, left winger. My guy. And there's talks amongst the Arsenal fan base that so when Saka matures a bit more, he's going to mature into a cam. So this kid, man, how many cams do you want, man? Well, that's I know. It's it's a it's, we're going to end up like we actually are going to end up like Man City reserves, where you got three of the best cams in the world just all stuck that you can't fit in. But anyway, we've just discussed two players in the Premier League who are in electric form and potentially leading themselves to be involved in the conversation of our next discussion. Yes, we're going to be talking about. Nice potential players for player of the season the contenders if you like and I think this debate may heavily involve one Erling Haaland yes. off the back of uh, another great performance someone, outside, There's the someone outside the shed oh my god I can see that oh yeah scary times but, but yeah. Uh, yeah I think for me the discussion is between Erling Haaland and then say Arsenal win the league it's 
Erling Haaland and a couple of standout Arsenal players. Maybe Odegaard, maybe Saka. Yeah. And then, I mean, like in the past, you'd be looking at players like Mo Salah, Schumann Son, Harry Both. Kane. I mean, Harry Kane, Kane might be in discussion and we're going to talk about him later in this episode Yeah, because he's on an absolutely barnstorming season, just being completely overshadowed by the freak yeah, of nature me, that is Spurs Haaland. don't get top four, he can finish on as many goals as he wants. If he's behind Haaland in the goal scoring, he can't claim to be the best at that. And if he doesn't get Spurs top four, he can't have claimed to have done that. So for me, Harry Kane, I don't think gets in the discussion, even if he gets... 25, 30 goals because I think for me... He's also the, not getting the assist this season. Exactly. In the past. And we'll blame Son for that. Son, mate, pick it up. Um, Cheers, Kane's crime. Question. So, if Man City finish second but Arsenal win the league, obviously, and Odegaard gets 10... Go- so, he's on eight goals, seven assists at the moment. Mm-hmm. Say he gets double-digit goals, double-digit assists, but Haaland... And he captains Arsenal to the Prem. But Haaland gets 40 Prem goals for Man City finish second. Who's getting this? It's it a you? hard debate because I think like if you if you had someone like, I don't know, Callum Wilson bang 40 goals, even for Newcastle in a season, he would win player of the season no matter where they finished. Yeah, he, that's true. You know. So I don't know whether we hold Haaland to higher standards now because he came in and absolutely tore up from the off. But I, I see what you're saying. I think the greatest accomplishment is captaining your team to the title. Double digits and uh, double digits in both assists and goals is incredible, and you can see that Odegaard is an absolute freak of nature in terms of what he does. Mate, so, you see that kind of elastico pass that he done. Yeah, the little flick pass. It's like a question mark kick. But yeah, I so mean, it, yeah, it's a really, really hard debate because forty goals is ridiculous and, yeah, and he probably will go do it. He, especially because the last like the last few seasons the top goal scorer has been like 21 22 goals 40 is literally doubling that yeah it's it's ridiculous mm. so i think it's really hard to look past that yeah. but i mean i think if you take if you score 40 goals and you don't win the league we're gonna do a little poll i think once we posted this podcast i'll do a little poll on um twitter and insta and all that jazz i'll do harland second place with man city but 40 goals, or Odegaard captain in Arsenal to the league, 10 plus goals, 10 plus assists. What if Saka goes on to score like, on a goal score? Oh, yeah, or I'll do like any Arsenal player, 10 because all Saka, Martinelli, even Eddie are all in line to get like yeah, doubles I, on stuff. So it's I don't a, think Martinelli's doing up to the standard of. No, nah, uh, Martinelli's uh, taken a bit of a dive in the last I, couple of weeks. No, but, but I think. I, just don't think it's like the, the rub of the green's going his way, to be mm. honest, a little bit. But he's still so impactful in games. Oh, he's yeah, you never bench him because he causes so much carnage in the defence. And like, yeah, but Saka's really been the star boy for the last few games for me. Mm. Um, but yeah, Odegaard has got to be in there. And yeah, I mean, th- there are very few other players that have really, you know, sh- stood out to me. I mean, maybe you look at the likes of Casemiro, if Man United go on an uh, incredible run. I don't know. Like, yeah, you got to sort of ha- take a broader perspective on this. But yeah, it will be interesting to see how how the player of the season contenders do sort of run. But we're only just past the halfway point in the season. We are indeed. Lots could happen, mate. I, maybe Mudrick comes in for Chelsea and they end up winning the league on some sort of. Yeah, like, don't want to talk about that stinker of a game too much. There was actually so many bore draws this weekend, which is lovely. Yeah, to it was see. a disgusting but, weekend. Um, football, really, but yeah, Mudrick came on and looked electric. To be fair, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean. Player of the season, let us know who is winning. Yeah, right your now, votes. who is your current 
player for a uh, current contender for player of the season. Yeah, for me, it's definitely Odegaard. I think, I don't know, just the way he carries himself, the way he's not carrying Arsenal, but kind of pushing Arsenal onwards. Yeah, I think uh, I think him and then maybe Haaland, if, I don't know, it's one of those, I think if Haaland gets 20 or 30-ish goals, no. If he hits 40, I'll give it to him. He's going to get, well, he's already on 20. Yeah, he's already on 25, yeah, he's gonna, I think. he's going to get 30. Yeah. That's to say. Yeah, if he hits 40, I'll let him have it, even if he, even City can finish fourth and I'll give it to him. If he, if he gets 40 and joins Arsenal next season. But yeah, I mean, let us know down below. Um, that Norwegian we just, link up. We just spoke about him, Harry Kane. Yes. It's an interesting one. So there's been rumours recently around Spurs that Conte's leaving at the end of the season. I think, was it a sporting director or financial director or something? Yeah, got, Patrice, yeah. Got caught up in the Juventus scandal that's happening over in Serie A. So he might be able to like do anything for like two years or whatever. Um, and then, yeah, there's talk of a lot of Spurs players leaving. The main one being Harry Kane. And I think in the last few days, there's been um, rumours that he's open to extending his yeah, contract with Yeah, it was weird how them. quickly the news shifted from him being open to a move away and like United being the main link to like literally the next day, like not him coming out, but the news was him being open to a contract. So weird. So he, in the Fulham game, he matched Jimmy Greaves' record. Yeah. All-time top scorer for Spurs. And I think he is there. He wants to hunt down that Alan Shearer Premier League record. Yeah, I don't think he'd ever leave the Prem. The record, he's so close to it. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're Harry Kane, right, you're having a really, really good season. How many goals is he on? 16 goals, something like that? Yeah, 16, 17, something like that. Yeah, and these last few games, he's scored quite a few decent goals, not not just like tap-ins or whatever. And so there's this question about his legacy where... What matters more? But like, will Kane's legacy be held in a good regard if he does stay at Spurs, doesn't win any trophies, but gets Premier League top scorer, or you know, finishes in that t- like that sort of bracket? Or w- will it be better for him to move on to a club like Man United? I mean, he's not going to go to City now. They've got Haaland. Yeah. I mean, Chelsea. I don't think it's the sort of club for him. And then like Arsenal, I just don't think that will happen yeah, either. <laughs> but I mean, I think he wouldn't do that to the Spurs fans, but. Yeah, it's interesting because so you are looking at him either staying Spurs or probably going to Man United. Yeah. Can't see him leaving to go to somewhere like Real Madrid. I think he's got a way up the... Um, yeah, I agree. He's not going abroad, I don't think. So he's got a way up if he thinks he's more likely now to win a trophy with Spurs or with Man United and just make that move. Because if he thinks he can win one at Spurs, stay at Spurs, that's fine. You've been there long enough. You're pretty much Mr. Spurs now. Do it. But you're coming to now the twilight of your career. He's 30 now. He's probably got like... It's the business end. Two or three more seasons at the top, top level. And then maybe he'd still be there, but like probably not as prolific. Plurific. Plurific. But um, he probably won't be that top, top level after that. So he's got two or three more seasons. Where does he think he's more likely to get a trophy? What team out of Man United and Spurs has the highest likelihood of winning trophy. What team has the most positive trajectory at the moment? It's Man United. Man United. Every day of the week. They've got a new manager just come in. He's known for winning stuff with Ajax. He's immediately come in. They've beaten some of the best teams in the league. He's instilled this kind of philosophy that 
I think Harry Kane probably quite likes from an outsider's perspective. Or Spurs, who have just got Champions League football. And they've had Champions League football now for fucking four or five years on the trot, whereas Arsenal and Man United haven't. But now, even though they've had all those Champions League spots, their manager, who came in with this kind of one remit of just win us a trophy, and now he's one and a half seasons, two seasons in now, the, like you said, sporting director is under investigation. Son, who is your best tag team mate, has taken a dive. You're slipping down the league. I mean, they had the same remit, though, under Jose Mourinho, and they sacked him the day before the cup final. And this new manager that you've kind of put your faith in isn't willing to sign a new contract. Well, I think maybe that's where it comes down to me, like for me anyway, on this Harry Kane saga. Maybe he knows something we don't. Maybe they're lining up someone to take over from Conte at the end of the season. Maybe he's willing to give it another go there because I think his legacy would be better, like for me anyway, if he miraculously took Spurs to win in any trophy. Yeah. But I think like the ones that, you know, would put his name in the top bracket of like best ever English footballers, Look, you need to win a Premier League or a Champions League and or something. Like, yes, if he wins the Carabao Cup with Spurs, like, fair play, he gets his hand finally on some silverware. But, like, what is that? Like, who cares? For someone as good as Harry Kane is, like, there's no doubt about it. He's... You've got the Carabao Cup, then you've got, like, the FA Cup a fair bit above it. And then, and then you've way got, up. and I'd probably, I'd probably put Europa League on the same echelon as maybe FA Cup. Yeah, maybe and a then smidge higher. Yeah. You've got, Champions League and Premier League and they yeah. sort of do this depending on sort and of... And for a player you know. that we've kind of mutually agreed is either England's best or second best ever striker, him or Rooney, for him to only win the Carabao Cup behave like that's Like, if I was Harry Kane, I'd go to you sleep to and that, have nightmares though. at night. Yeah. So, you've got to think, how can I get my hands on the Prem or the Champions League as quick as possible? And, and City are the question. It's never going to be at Tottenham. Tottenham... Yes, they might win a Carabao. They could luck their way to an FA Cup. They're never going to luck their way to a Prem in the next... In Harry Kane's career, they're not going to luck what their way What about Champions to League? If they win the Champions League with Harry Kane, I'll fucking cancel this podcast. And I'll go get a Harry Kane tattoo. Why are you punishing ass. me for this, man? Just get the Harry Kane tattoo. Okay. But um, genuinely, it's not going to happen at Spurs. You're not going to luck your way to the Prem or to the Champions League. So, Man United, they're probably right now about as far away from it as Spurs. But they're looking forward in an upward manner, whereas Spurs are looking backwards in a downwards manner. And I think Harry Kane is exactly what United need. I think it suits both parties. And I think I've seen quite a few Spurs fans who are sort of like of the opinion, all right, maybe it's time to just let him go. I think he's done such a service for them that they can't be anything but grateful. If they hold on to him for the next two, three years and his value is just going to go down and down, yeah, he's got they've one probably not got any better chance of winning anything. Yeah. Maybe they're better to do what they sort of failed to do with the bail money yeah. and take that Kane money. I mean, you probably get 100 million plus for him. Genuinely. And then, you know, make some smart signings. But I, I also, though, I've seen, I've seen some crazy things today about who who two players Chelsea linked with, Fernandez and... Um, Tysado. 100 plus million for both of them. I'm what sorry, the fuck is any this about? player that's had a stretch of like a month of good performances is now 80 plus million. Mate, it's actually... By default. And it's so fucked, I hate it. 
Yeah, it is ridiculous. I mean, if you're if you're Brighton, 100 million for Saicedo is mad. Mate, I'd take that in a heartbeat. Yeah. They, they just go scout a random country and get another gem in for 2 million. Yeah, I mean, you look at, like, Cucurello who went to uh, Chelsea. He's not really performed. Then they got, what, 60 million? Apparently, players? Everton as a club are on the market for 500 mil. That is mental. It is mental. Um, Chelsea gonna... spent that much in this window and Everton are on the, the whole club. Chelsea could have just brought the entire Everton club. Got, got like it. Let us know. Harry Kane, yes. should he stay or should he go? Yeah, it's a big one. After we come back from the break, we'll be talking about... Where are they? Oh, they're up there. Yeah, you can't Look, see them. These ones. We're going to go from talking about these to talk about them. It's Everton. Yes. We're talking about Everton and the shambles that they're in right now. We are currently sat it's January 25th and the transfer window is drawn to a close and it's been a pretty quiet one. But have you seen how much more the Prem has spent than any other league? It's disgusting. Chelsea Football Club. Yeah, it's pretty much Chelsea. Mainly but. Chelsea. But talking about transfers, we are looking at a club who have transferred their manager out the door. Bash. And potentially transferring the ownership of their club to another man, woman or child. We're talking about Everton. Yes. They are in dire straits. Frank Lampard Complete has been disarray, yeah. booted out the door after their loss to West Ham. Yeah. By another manager who's under a little bit of pressure, David Moyes. Yeah. But <laughs> he was Everton, going back to Everton, which mental. Everton, Everton, Everton. How do you fix Everton? They haven't got... I'm going to go back to one of my favourite scenes, the Kanye West, I'm going to fix Wolves. Who's going to fix Everton, Roz? Bosh. Well, I think let's start with who were the... Actually, let's start with who they've had in their kind of like most recent memory. So they've had Rafa Benitez. Ancelotti. Ancelotti. Marco Silva. Big Sam. I think Duncan Ferguson had a little tenure. So this just a mishmash. They have not been good since the Fellaini, David Moyes days. Genuinely, I think what they had at that point in time was an identity. They were this team that were pushing the big six. They were always in and around seventh or eighth trying to break in. And that's why I think um, I saw a clip of David Moyes on um, that diary of a CEO thing. And he said that that's why he got the Man United job that, they saw that he could build build a club up, build the identity. And Apparently Alex Ferguson just called up and said, like you're, you're the new Man United manager and yeah. he didn't have anything to say about it. Yeah, yeah. to imagine. Um, so I think that's what they had going for them at that point. They had a manager that could build the identity. I think that's what um, West Ham liked about him. I think he's come out in the recent links with him going back to Evan and said, no, I'm staying at West Ham. I'm building something here. He's very much a project an ethos manager. Whereas I think a lot of people that they've got in are mercenaries. Big Sam is an absolute definition of a managerial mercenary. Yeah, but you got to love him. you got to love Big Sam, mate. But yeah, I mean, if Ancelotti can't make it work and he's literally gone into Real Madrid halfway through the season and won the Champions League. Yeah. And, you know, he's sort of, he's even, turned them more, He's more like, like so short term. You were never going to keep Ancelotti for long. Rafa Benitez, you were never going to keep him for long. I mean, but he, like, that was always weird with his And that was Liverpool. always weird yeah. as well. Like, Frank, what I liked about Frank Lampard is that if, given the opportunity, and if the ownership wasn't dead and his form wasn't dead, I could see Frank and Lampard... And he wasn't a bad manager. And he wasn't a bad manager, but I could see something building there, kind of like the Arteta thing. You give a young manager with an idea the chance, they could build something. But Evan have just gone in this process of just giving mercenaries the job that very short term. And I think that comes down to the ownership where I think it's quite telling that the Everton fans, even though Frank Lampard was doing absolutely horseshit. They didn't turn on him so much. They didn't much. turn on him. They, they were just on the always ownership. on the ownership saying you're the problem. So, is it Mashiri, is that? Yeah, yeah. 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 So 
the next appoint managerial appointment for Everton is probably the biggest in their in the recent history. Because they've never been relegated. They've never been and relegated. They're on the verge. Also, next season is their last season at Goodison Park. True that. Yeah. That's so true. they could potentially be playing that their last season because of parking the championship and I've heard some people say that's great because they're going to win pretty much every game <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you'd probably rather see it off in the Premier League where you've been your entire club's history so their next managerial appointment is massive and I think it's quite telling who they're being linked to right now so a few of the names in the hat yeah, you've got Sean Dyche and I think that is probably the approach that they will go with. I think that's Bookie's favourite at the moment. Bookie's favourite, I think. That's probably my You've favorite. got Marcelo Bielsa, who I would love to see back in the Premier League. I just love his football. and Yeah, quality he's manager. Just, yeah. Spygate as well, bring that back. Did you see he was like questioned about the job and he said that if he wanted the job, um, their team's too slow at the moment. And yeah. uh, he, if he was to even consider it, they'd have to make some Big signings. Big signings with pace. And obviously the window's shut in. They're up for sale. So I can't see the signings happening. I don't think that would happen. And I just think like at this point, unless you're so certain that you're you're good enough to keep Everton in the Premier League, and probably a lot of managers would think that about themselves. Mm. But like if you're Bielsa, do you really want that stain in your career? Yeah, 100%. Like Leeds got a bit difficult and they left. he left on like really good terms. You know, he was like, right, I can't take this club forward anymore at the minute. You know. Another name who's been linked around and about is uh, Wayne Rooney. Big Waz. And I quite, connection. I quite like that because so I. I think he did a really, really good job at Derby considering the circumstances. Yeah. Massive point deduction. Couldn't really bring in any players. And he managed to gather all the players around. They were fighting for him. And they literally only got relegated on like, like yeah. a couple of days. No, I totally agree. I think, um, if you, I think a lot of it depends on the ownership situation. If the ownership stay in, I think it's Sean Dyche because mm-hmm. he, you want will to get, secure Premier League. he will get them results pretty quickly. But if they get new ownership in and they want to take the direction into this new kind of Everton, new stadium, new manager, new squad, I think Wayne Rooney would be a great, uh, great appointment, a great appointment. Because, there. Yeah, because it's kind of like starting from scratch, completely clean slate, new ownership, new stadium, new stadium. The expectations at the moment are all time low anyway. So you can give Waz. That's why I went woony. Cause I was going Waz or Wait, way woony. Way woony. But you can give big Waz, um, time to kind of mold his team, kind of like Arteta, kind of like all these other young managers that are getting the job. Xavi, um, company. company. You give him time to build and he's got the Everton connection. So he's immediately got the fans on side. And like you said, did okay at Derby. So I think, Long term, I think Wayne Rooney is a massive shout. Yeah, I think the only the only thing that's sort of going against Wayne Rooney is the Lampard uh, yeah. appointment. Like, you, do you want to appoint another unproven? Man. Yeah, like semi unproven, you yeah. know, and like a former, like someone who's only just recently retired. When you could have someone with the gravitas of a Sean Dyche. And I'd like to see Sean Dyche go to another Premier League club. And we only really saw a him. With a decent budget as well. Team with well, I don't think they've got a lot of money at the minute. No, but I, if I assume if they get brought out or but they've got they've got some more exciting and players. They've got sellable in. assets. Yeah, they've got assets, and you know it won't be without like it, mate, that's just, an easy two hundred million. Yeah, easy, mate. He's we need to discuss him <laughs> in the player of the season contenders, <laughs> yeah, mate. But yeah, I mean there are talks as well of them losing Anthony Gordon to Newcastle, mate. Fucking I. They should have sold him when Chelsea, Chelsea were offering like eighty million because his value has tanked. I think Newcastle offered I think twenty five plus fifteen in add-ons. I 
ship him off for that. I think Arsenal are linked with Onana, their centre mid. Yeah. So, he's only been there since the beginning of the season. Yeah, exactly. I think... He's, he was quite good, actually. Jordan though. Pickford has probably gone at the end of the season. So they've got sellable assets. It's an interesting time to be an Everton fan. I think once the ownership debacle is being sorted out, either they leave or they stay. Once you know what's going on, because at the moment it is quite limboy. Once that's been sorted out, the manager situation will sort itself out. You'll either get Daesh or someone, maybe Rooney, probably not really. It's probably going to be Daesh. But I think, I think it is official that the club is up for sale, right? Oh, is it? I, I, I saw I, like contrast. Sure. I read one that said it was. And then one that said Fahad Mashiri has actually come out and said they're not. So I don't know. Maybe he's like but open. They to need to write like they have half a season now to you know determine their their fate hmm. and whether the ownership say right look we're not going to sell up now we're gonna you know put a little bit more money in we're gonna make an appointment who we think is going to keep us in the Premier League because at the end of the day if they keep them in the Premier League they can sell that club on, on in in the summer for more than they can if it's a Championship club. One thing I've just thought about though is the stadium debt. It's so going to be massive. They're up for sale, but why, I think, why would someone come in and buy right now with stadium debt when they could, everyone could just avoid buying? Farhar Mashiri will have to pay off that stadium debt and then they just wait until the stadium debt's paid off and then buy it. So I don't know. It's a sticky sitch. Yeah, it's, uh, and it, go, it goes far deeper than just football, really, when it comes, it's going into the business of football. And, yeah, it's disgusting. You know, that's, that's not a, place where a lot of where fans really have too much insight into what goes on behind the scenes and I think that's that is why you're seeing the Everton fans turn their anger towards Mashiri and the ownership as opposed to yeah, Frank Lampard otherwise you're just stuck in this kind of repeating cycle of manager in poor recruitment poor like planning poor sporting direction sat the manager oh nothing's changing get another manager in poor identity poor same thing again sat the manager you're stuck in this cycle until something changes at the top who knows? Everton fans, let us know what's going on at your club. How would you fix it? Just let us know in the description yeah, talk to us. and uh, we'll discuss it. But um, coming up, we've got another week of fixtures. and um, It's actually not this weekend, though. It's next weekend. Yeah, it is. It's FA Cup yeah, weekend. Yeah, it's FA Cup weekend. We've, we've got, got bloody Man City on Friday That's going to be an absolute banger of a game. Can't wait for that. Um, but yeah, we've got a little bit of a break now. February yes. 3rd, the games kick off and we've got Friday night. We've got Chelsea versus Fulham in a London derby. This game actually happened a couple of weeks ago, didn't it? Where Jao Felix got recorded. Yeah. But this is, I assume that game was rescheduled, maybe. Yeah, and now we're getting uh, the flip side of the fixtures now. Because uh, Man United only just played Palace as well. I wonder if Jao Felix will be available for this game. Yeah, it's interesting. But um, maybe? Chelsea versus Fulham. Chelsea at home, Stamford Bridge. Fulham, what was their result on the weekend? They, they drew 0-0? They, no, no, they lost 1-0 one one to Spurs. Y- yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they were quite good in that they as well. They had two games this weekend, didn't they? Yeah. But yeah, um, Fulham, oh, do you know what? I really like Fulham. I think Mitro's brilliant. Oh, yeah, I think Palina's brilliant. I think they've got, like, I think Tim Reed's uh, Reed's been brilliant. Tim looking quality. Um, but Leno think, had a really Leno, good game. Yeah. Yeah. They've got some really nice, they've just got a nice team and they've got a good manager, as much as I hate to say it about Fulham. But yeah. um, I don't know. I don't know about Chelsea. They're just a bit of an unknown quantity to me. I think they were okay in spells against Liverpool. I think Liverpool aren't as good as they were. Well, that's a given. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I'm gonna go here. I'm gonna go out on a limb. And it's back to back hard games for Fulham in terms of. Oh, well, it's kind of almost back to back to back hard games. They had Chelsea and yeah, they've had a hard run. Yeah, I mean, but they haven't really looked out of it in any game. I'm gonna go for a one nil Chelsea. 
I do like that. That was initially when my head was going, but I'm still not sold on that Chelsea defence. I think Benoit Badiashile. Excellent. Yeah, Badiashile and Thiago Silva are both looking quite good, but I think although what I've seen in the media is that Reece James and Chilwell are back on grass. Back on grass. So might be a bit too soon though. Who knows? But I think I think it's going to be tight. I'm going to go one-one. Yeah, that was my other option. Um, I was just looking at who for them we've got next week. Not Forest. Not Forest. Oh, nice. But um, um, yeah, early kickoff on Saturday, Roy. You want to take the lead? Yes, we're taking on uh, currently managerless Everton. I'm assuming, but you'd hope if any fucking hell, if they don't have a manager in a week and a half time, get then, me in. Yeah, get the boys in. But um, it's Arsenal travelling to Goodison Park place that we've always kind of struggled i think last season do you remember damari grace called that screamer in like the 90th minute yeah yeah so um we're never really super but sometimes teams play quite well after they lose their manager they could have a new manager bounce so but i think we just absolutely murder them we've seen it where arsenal have lost that identity of being the team to lose to these sort of teams yeah i think i back it as well i'm gonna go four nil Ooh, I'm gonna go. Oh, to slap someone. It's been a while. I'm gonna go for a two-nil Arsenal. I'll take that. I'll take that. And then it's a Midlands derby. Yeah, it's Villa like, versus Leicester. I've been so-so on Unai Emery's Villa. They look better than they did under Gerrard, and that's a given. And they look better, in my opinion, than Leicester look at the moment. I agree. I think Leicester just—they're weird. They were two 0 up against Brighton, weren't they? They were. Good going into the World Cup. They had that little peak in form where they were like rock bottom and then they started climbing out. And then the World Cup came, halted their momentum so hard. And since the re- um, resumption of the Premier League being very average, like you said, 2-0 up against Brighton, who are arguably one of top three teams in the league, form-wise. Maybe. I think probably. Um, 2-0 up against them, you're thinking, fuck me, how we pulled this off? And then you go bottle that game, so... I don't know. I think they're very wobbly at the moment. And Madison's back, so I think that's good for Leicester. But I think Aston Villa just probably too much just at this moment in time. Yeah, you want to give a prediction? Yep. I'm going 1-0 Aston Villa. I'm going for a 0-0 draw. Ball draw stinker. But no, it could be exciting. Who knows? I can't predict the future, as you can see by my recent run in the predictions. Yeah, I'm creeping. I'm creeping. You are creeping. I'm creeping. Um. Another semi-stinky game. We've got Brentford versus Southampton. Can Ivan Tony do it? Brentford off of a draw against Leeds, weren't it? Yeah, and then Southampton off of... So they just last night played... Um, Newcastle. Newcastle in the FA Cup. I think they got scummed out of a, a result. So um, see, um, Who was it? Was it uh, Jacob Murphy or Callum? Um, oh, Jacob Murphy was doing that to... to Quetta, <laughs> whatever them, yeah. And then... No, this is a completely different game. Yeah, carry on. But, um, but yeah, Brentford versus Southampton... Two teams in okay-ish form, bit topsy-turvy, but both, I'd say, on the up from like where they were a couple of months ago. So, I'd say... Nah, it's Nathan Jones is still shit, mate. Yeah, oh, I said this last episode, you dug him out, but they're on They're on a little something. Semi-final with the Carabao Cup, a couple of decent results in the Prem. I think Nathan comes... I think Brentford win 3-0. Do you? Uh, yeah, I, I see Brentford winning. I don't think it'll be 3-0. I think it'll be tight. I'm going to go 4-0. <laughs> Are you going 4-0? No, you're going to say 4-0. Oh, no, I'm going to go 2-1. 2-1. Brentford. Brighton versus Bournemouth. They're slapping them. We did say this last week, though, about Brighton-Leicester. We were like, we were both I, just, like, oh, I can't see Bournemouth competing with that. The the deserving no. ball that's happening. I'm going 4-1 Brighton. 4-1 Brighton. I don't think Brighton 
are going to concede. I think I'm going to bring a Brighton defender in my fantasy. Uh, oh, we haven't done many fantasy episodes. Yeah, it's gone stinking off. I don't <laughs> want to talk about it. <laughs> we'll do another fantasy just for banter down the line. But um, we'll let you know where we are and stuff. We'll do our own episodes where you can say how to play fantasy. I'll just do things. Don't do what I did. <laughs> yeah, we could do a pros and cons of playing the fantasy. But uh, I, I do agree. I think Brighton slap them. I'm going 3 0. Man United versus Palace. We just saw um, this fixture happen, actually. Elise in the last minute with a great free kick. Yeah, why is there so many repeated fixtures? Don't think that... Because that's what happens when the season turns, mate. But why would they not scatter them further from the last mate, one? Mate, World Cup does weird things yeah. to the season. But yeah. Like Spurs City. I swear we're watching that. Oh my that. God, stop complaining. Sorry. We love football. Yeah, we do. Man United versus Palace. Can't see Man United slipping up again. Casemiro will be back. Home this time as well. Home as well. Um, Rashford is on fire. Your defence is terrified. Without Faircourse could prove a little bit of a different challenge to the Palace defence. I'm going to go for a 2-0 Man United. 2-0 Man United. I do like that. I think Palace score. I'm going to go 2-1 uh, to Man United. Wolves versus Liverpool. I'm going to go for... this game the other day as well. I'm going to go for a one-all draw. Yeah, these team, this two, I swear they played like, and then had to replay their FA Cup yeah. thing. So we've watched yeah. this game genuinely like three times in the last week. So, um tight game like it has been in the last two times it happened I'm going to go what did you say one all draw I do like one all draw I'm going to go 2-1 Liverpool though okay Newcastle versus West Ham Newcastle flying just through to the final yeah the no, no no no, no. they've got second leg second leg oh yeah yeah they do yeah yeah. Um, but yeah doing well beat uh, Southampton last night on a decent run they did they draw in... so a fuck stat last time they conceded was they conceded October. was prior to the World Cup. So Messi hadn't won the World Cup last time Nick Pope conceded. They're on goal. 10 consecutive games without conceding or something like that. Or it's, like one goal conceded in 10. Yeah, their, their defence is unmatched at the minute. Yeah, it's crazy. But uh, and uh, yeah, I don't think West Ham will have the answers. Danny Ings signed for West Ham, and got injured. <laughs> and I was wondering where Skamaka is, but he's injured as well. Yeah. So yeah, they're, they're But stuck. we did see Bowen and Antonio yeah. sort of turn off in the last yeah. game. But like you said, Everton. they're not doing anything to that Newcastle defence. No, I'm going for a 2-0 Newcastle. Yeah, I like that as well. Um, what I have seen with Newcastle... That. I'm going 2-1 Newcastle. Is that they're... Uh, oh, they're finally conceding. The yeah, goal. yeah, I think we've, everyone's cursed Newcastle's them. attack is slightly dried up. I don't think they've scored as many as they'd probably like to. I, I know. think that's maybe due to Almiron's dropping form, maybe. Yeah, he was running very hot. Um, Where's it, Maximan? I think he just come back from injury, but there are links apparently to him leaving for Serie A. Apparently, AC Milan want him. Mate, if you can get like seventy million for like Almiron, uh, not Almiron for Saint Maximan. Yeah, I'll back that. Uh, Newcastle two, West Ham nil for me. Moving on to Sunday, we've got Nottingham Forest versus Leeds. Two teams hovering in and around the drop zone. Nottingham Forest looking a lot better though than they did sort of like previously. Leeds, just very mediocre. Off of a decent draw against Brentford, I'd say. But link with Weston McKenney could be interesting in that. But I just don't know if Jesse Marshall just signing his favourite American players. I don't know what's going nice. on. Nice. All-American squad, man. Who knows? But, um, yeah, this could be a weird game. This could go either way. It could go no way at all. Um, I'm going to go for a one-all draw. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm going to go for a 2-2 two -two draw. Interesting. Yeah. Finishing off, though, the Sunday, Spurs versus City. We saw Spurs go 2 0 up. City yeah, came back and won 4 Where was that? Was that the Etihad? That was at the Etihad, yeah. yeah. So this is at the London Stadium. No, it's not the London Stadium. What's it called? The Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah. White Hart Lane, yeah. B2. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go City gonna slap him five nil. Yeah, I no, think I'm just kidding. It's gonna be uh, I think it's gonna be a three one City. I think Kane might score. Yeah, I like three one. I think that's a good shout. Um I think City, what they'll do is they'll just see how easy it was in that second half for them and just think, why can't we just do that the whole game? And I think they'll just run right at this game. I think it's going to be 4-1. 4-1. And uh, jumping ahead to Wednesday, which is the last uh, fixture of this game. You know what's going on. Man United uh, playing again against Leeds, who are also playing again. That's how, how it works in football. But um, I think Man United slap them. I'm going to go for... Actually, this is a big game, though. It's a big rivalry, actually, this. Yeah, the two sleeping giants. I might go for a 2-1 Man United. 2-1 Man United. I do think it'll be a good game. I think the kind of energy that Leeds bring will kind of throw Man United a little bit. So I think there's going to be goals. What did you say? 2-1? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to go 3... 3-2. I was going to say 3-2, but Man United's defence... Not so bad. Not so bad. I'm going to give him a 3-1. De Gea on quite good form. Was yeah, he is. Yeah. But yeah. Just his distribution. We'll end this with De Gea. But, Your distribution is so But they've moved away from that, bad. but that's a discussion for another time. Um, but yeah, this wraps up this episode of Board Draw. Hope you enjoyed. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. We need to get the subscribers up, man. Come on. Yeah. 100 mini. Every person watching, get someone new to subscribe. Be a legend. If you're not subscribed... Why not? Yeah. And yeah, follow all our socials. TikTok content is popping. Instagram, Twitter. Tweet us, man. I tweet all day from the board. And no one talks to me. And no one talks to me. Just engage with me. Give me your opinions. Just, yeah. Humor me, but yeah, and um, we're another week closer to the board draw Euro tour, so more details coming out about that soon. But yeah, guys, it's been board draw episode number 33. That's a wrap, and it's live. <laughs>